Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, all three of us are in tow for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. It's Ryan and Matt. I'm Dan. Uh, let's, uh, let's fire this thing right up, guys, because we have, we have a great show um, this week. So much to cover. All this news is just, I, I was about to say trickling in, but it, it's been more of a, a steady stream of information. Uh, it's, it's Monday, the first legal tampering day of the off season, Ryan, and we're going to cover as many science, uh, signings as we can. We got two rookie reports to get to. We're going to see what else we can fit into the episode as well, but we got to say hi to you guys first. Ryan, how's it going? Oh my gosh. It's been an awesome few days. It's always fun yeah. when there's NFL news and there's been a ton of it. So it's been, it's been a good, uh, a good stretch here. You know, it's March and it's supposed to be March madness and all about yeah. college basketball, but for us, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners as well, March madness just means more NFL news. Finally, you know, we've been craving it here for a few weeks since the Super Bowl, and it's here. Matt, how are you doing, dude? I'm doing good. And I don't know if this is a this is a hot take, but I actually enjoy the free agency period early on more than I do rookie season. So uh, I don't know if, if that means anything necessarily for Dynasty, but uh, I really love the player movement, seeing where these veterans that we already know are good, uh, where they're going to land, where they're going to play next season. And we've had had a lot of that this offseason. Like you would say you've enjoyed the past two or three days more than the NFL draft weekend? Well, I mean, there's there's Come other on. stuff going on NFL draft <laughs> weekend, so I'm not going to say that. But in terms of like just talking and speculating and, you know, forming narratives and what we think is going to happen with players and, and their new teams, I do enjoy the free agency part more than uh, talking about the rookies. I, I'm going to strongly disagree, I guess. We don't <laughs> have to really pick. That's the good thing. We get it all, right? That's we get right. This. I know. Yeah, we get, exactly. We get this right now. We get the NFL draft in 48 days, guys. 48 yeah, this days. is just the appetizer for the draft to me. <laughs> and the appetizer can be great, but I'm ex I'm excited for the steak afterwards. So uh, like I said, lots to get to. So let's kick it off. The startup. Yeah, we're going to jump on the carousel, the quarterback carousel for the startup this week. So much news uh, among quarterbacks and star quarterbacks, guys. We had the Aaron Rodgers news um, just before free agency. And then the day before, a few days before free agency, Russell Wilson gets traded to Denver in, in a really a blockbuster, in my opinion, trade. Mm -hmm. and, and something that really, I, I really didn't expect. I was kind of off of it for this offseason. And then to make things even more interesting, guys, Tom Brady unretires. Uh, he gives us that news like hours before free agency or the tampering period kicks off. So let's cover each one of these individually and, and get to as many of the affected players as possible, at least from a dynasty perspective. Let's start with Tom Brady and his announcement on Twitter. He's got unfinished business. I don't know what that could be with seven Super Bowl rings, but uh, apparently he needs eight. There's Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski if he's back. Everybody kind of feels like Leonard Fournette will return as well, Matt. Is there, I think it's just arrow pointing up for all Buccaneers, right? Yeah, I mean, business as usual, I guess. We didn't think that that was going to happen in Tampa Bay. You know, Gronk's probably going to come back. He had some comment earlier in the offseason about, about how if Tom's back, he's back. So I assume that's going to get done. 
um, you know, more of the same. We like all of these players here. We hope Fournette is back. Um, so yeah, it seems like it's ready to go. I don't really have too much to say about Brady. We know how good he is. Ryan, it felt to me like Chris Godwin and Mike Evans took a little bit of a hit in dynasty value in the 40 days that Tom Brady was retired. That obviously comes surging back. And, you know, I know there's injuries and there's there's question marks on that roster that they'll address in free agency in the draft. But overall, it feels like if you got one of these pass catchers or even Fournette, you have to be feeling pretty good about putting him in your lineup in 2022 and contending for another fantasy title. Yeah, for sure. And and unlike some of these other players that we'll talk about today that have, have seen their, their situation impacted by, uh, by free agency or a trade or, or whatever it might be, I, I don't think we're going to see the value spike on these guys. I mean, Godwin and Evans, you, you hit on it a little bit, the injury to Godwin, uh, his ADP is, is is lower than it's been in in some time. Evans is just for whatever reason that player that a lot of a lot of people seem to uh, you know seem to hate on. So I think even with this news and and the solidifying the situation at least in twenty twenty two, I think you can still acquire Godwin and Evans at a reasonable price. Yeah, and Gronk as well. You know, I think people will probably be waiting for the confirmation that he's back and things like that. But you might be able to get ahead and save a few pennies on the dollar by jumping on that now because all points signed to him or all signs point to him being back in Tampa Bay. Let's go to Green Bay where Aaron Rodgers made the announcement. He's going to come back to the Packers. Matt, you got to be thrilled. Um, back with the MVP under center with the Packers, same same thing, right? Everybody's arrow continues to point up. Yeah, you know, I, I, it feels like, you know, just speaking not really fantasy, I guess, but it feels like this team might be a little bit worse. We had to let go of Zedaria Smith. Not that he was a big factor last year with the injury and all. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, they're way up more up against the cap this season. They let go of Billy Turner, who I thought was a pretty key offensive lineman for them, could play basically every spot along the offensive line. So I think that's going to hurt. Um, but, you know, if they can address some of these concerns in the draft, I don't know how much they're going to be able to do in free agency with with uh, having to lock up Adams long term. He says he's not going to play under the franchise tag. So we'll see. But, you know, having Rodgers back is obviously good news and way better news than having to see Jordan Love under center for for 17 games. <laughs> Matt, you mentioned that with Adams and the franchise tag. He's saying he's not going to play under it. You you have Adams on rosters. Are you concerned or you just they're going to take care of it at some point? I mean, I just you're not. I just don't think you're really going to get the value if you're going to plan on moving or something. If you have them, you're probably a competing team. Uh, so you just kind of ride the ride the waves and assume that it's going to get worked out. I think it will. Ryan, how about you? The, these Packers, Adams, Lazard is an RFA, I guess. Robert Tunyon's a free agent, but I, I expect him back. And then the two-headed monster in that backfield, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Uh, if you got these guys... You, their value hasn't changed much compared to the end of the 2021 season. Yeah. I mean, it's, it really is a similar situation to Tampa Bay because uh, I mean, these two players, you know, they're, they're both multiple time MVPs, Brady and Rogers for a reason. They have a huge impact on their team and on every player around them. Uh, so it's, it's basically status quo. I'm not worried about Adams. I think a deal gets done. might be a little bit tougher after some of these other wide receiver signings, but, uh, I think that'll get worked out. And, uh, basically every, everybody that remains on that roster from an offensive standpoint is somebody I would want to invest in. 
According to social media, the Tom Brady news was the biggest so far in this offseason, him unretiring. But at least according to me, the, this Russell Wilson trade is by far the biggest news, not, not only of this offseason, but maybe the last few years, maybe since Brady left New England and went to Tampa Bay, because you just don't see MVP caliber or at least franchise caliber quarterbacks change teams all that often. Wilson ends up in Denver multiple draft pick, two firsts, two seconds, Drew Locke, Noah Fant, a stud defensive lineman in Shelby Harris. They all end up in Seattle. So blockbuster trade, Ryan, we're, we're thrilled for Russell Wilson because of all the weapons there between Judy and Sutton and Albert O, Javante Williams, everything's in place now. This, this looks like uh, a, a, a boom for Russell Wilson and his dynasty upside. Looking at just Wilson alone, how do we feel about him, especially in super flex leagues? I'm, I mean, I'm confident in, in Russell Wilson. I don't know that we see a major value shift for him. Um, you think about the weapons and, and Judy and Sutton I, I got to interrupt you. Maybe not value sh- shift, but isn't perception changed yeah. slightly shouldn't expectation be be changed a little bit at least well there there's always been this frustration i mean that's that's the reason you hear let russ cook every year because they yeah. they get seattle gets to a point where they're just relying on the running game or or they're not letting him uh improvise and, and really be that playmaker that he has shown at times he can be the, the hope is he gets to do that in denver and from from the denver from the broncos standpoint we've played this game for a couple of years that uh, we've we've bet on them acquiring a quarterback that's going to help Judy and Sutton and Fant. Uh, you know, uh, that's that that changed a little bit, but that helped these these players um, reach their potential. And, and now it's finally worked out, and uh, and we're going to see the value of all of those players uh, really skyrocket. Judy and Sutton, it feels like to me from what I'm seeing in my leagues and on social media, things like that. Those guys are getting a lot of attention already, yeah. and they're they're we're doing mock drafts all the time at DLF. It seems like they're going around higher, maybe maybe even a round and a half or two rounds higher. These guys, Albert O, is the guy that really grabbed my attention right away because Fant leaves, and now there's this opportunity to play with a great quarterback in an offense where they're not defenses aren't going to be able to to pinpoint. Uh, good defenders or top defenders on that inside target with with Okuwa Bunam. So it, it feels to me that his value doesn't just go up the one round or, or two rounds. It might spike even more. I'm really excited to see what he's able to do in 2022 within this offense. On the other side of things, Matt, the Seahawks, they get that huge packet of, of draft picks, Drew Locks thrown into the deal. Shelby Harris is is a star in the league, of course. But Noah Fant, a guy that you've been critical of in the past, of course, for for a myriad of reasons, I guess. He ends up in Seattle. Um, Seattle also retains one of their tight ends and Will Disley on Monday as well. So um, kind of more of the same for Noah Fant, maybe. What are your thoughts? I think he's he's done. Like if you if someone still believes it's time to, it's time to unload him. I mean, he I, I assume that Drew Locke is not going to be the quarterback, but we saw some report that don't be surprised if Drew Locke is the starter day one. Uh, and obviously, there's some familiarity there, but now he's behind. I mean, I know he was behind two receivers before. 
but now he's behind two potentially even better receivers in DK and Tyler Lockett, right? Maybe Lockett leave, uh, leaves the team, uh, gets traded or something. But bringing back Will Disley is certainly not a sign of confidence. Uh, I just, the, the third target on a team with a bad quarterback that wants to run the ball, like even the volume that he saw while Sutton was out, um, you know, like is not going to be there. So I just, unless he completely has fine-tuned his game, has become a, a, a more of a, a technical uh, receiver, you know, he's kind of the straight line speed guy. He can go, he can run fast. He's big, that kind of, kind of target, which is, you know, when you look at Drew Locke, those are the things uh, that he's good at throwing the ball deep. Right. So maybe DK is fine. Maybe Fant has a spike game or two, but in terms of his dynasty value, I mean, I might rather have, Albert O over over Noah Fant at this point, as you mentioned. Oh, there, Dan. there's no might for me. That it's yeah, there's no doubt about it. Help. Yeah, yeah. You got to take the player from, with the quarterback. From a projection standpoint, I think from a value standpoint, I'm not sure if he's there yet. Maybe you have. I don't know if you have any updated info there, Ryan. But I would assume at some point he's going to pass Fant this offseason. I, I don't if have any hasn't. updated ADP yet, but uh, I, I did a poll <laughs> the same day that that trade went down that that suggested uh, Alberto was the favorite over Fant. So that's, that's where I am. I like that. I, I don't have any ADP, but I got my <laughs> finger on the pulse of dynasty value here. So I can tell or you that least, Alberto is more valuable. Or at least recency bias. Anyway. The last thing we should touch on here, just a massive hit for DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. If he remains in Seattle, he takes a hit as well. These guys are downfield threats that make big plays. And now Short of really some kind of quarterback savior landing in Seattle's lap now, they take a huge step back, back to where the Broncos were. So what kind of concern do we have with DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett? Are we are we thinking about moving these guys, Ryan? Well, Lockett, I mean, he's one of those guys kind of like Evans, whose value drops every offseason and then and then kind of gains value in the during the season when we see him produce. So I, I don't know that I would be moving him. I, we've heard the rumors that he could be traded. So that's kind of a wait and see situation for me. Metcalf was in that group of wide receivers pretty tightly packed in with, with guys like Debo Samuel and AJ Brown and, um, and, and cup and Tyreek. I mean, a huge group there. And I think he simply moves to the bottom of that where he was probably at the top of it now, but that tier is so big. He could, I mean, he could potentially fall from like wide receiver four range to, you know, maybe even out of out of the top 12, potentially. I'm willing to move to any other wide receiver in that tier if, if it's one of my teams, especially if I'm a contender and thinking about um, trying to win a title in 2022. I, I'm not even sure if a lot of dynasty managers are, are allowing that at this point, though, unless you're moving down to one of the aging stars like Devontae Adams and and the the team builds really match up. I think if you look at the tier of like T Higgins, Deontay Johnson, DJ Moore, those are potential deals that could kind of go either way. Um, but again, those guys are on the border of, of being a wide receiver one, uh, which, you know, it still represents a, a pretty big drop for DK. Matt, anything to add on the, the Seattle pass catchers, Metcalf and Lockett? Lockett, I think, is definitely going to suffer. Like, like, I, like I alluded to before, you know, I think DK could be okay just because that's the one thing we know Lock, Lock does is is just, you know, throw it up and, and hope something happens. And DK is the kind of receiver that can take advantage of that. Uh, but I definitely, it's obviously a downgrade from Russ. There's no, there's no uh, debating that. 
Um, but you know, if he's, if it's a run base, a heavy, even heavier run base attack, if that's possible, if they, for some reason, draft a running back or bring back Penny and, 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 uh, Pete Carroll gets his, his desire to, to run the ball 24 seven, maybe they get the deep shot to DK. Uh, so I'm probably not moving off of him for those guys, Ryan mentioned. Um, but I understand it, especially in a competing window that said though, if he was on your competing roster last season, it's not like you got uh, a ton of production towards the end of the season outside of a game or two. So, um, I don't know. I th- I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold on to, to, to Metcalf Lockett. I, I probably think you probably have to hold on to, I don't know how much you're getting for him at this point. Um, if he's kind p- of a package player, maybe you send him in a second, uh, to upgrade, uh, to, I don't know, somebody in like the wide receiver 15 to 20 range. Maybe that's something that's possible. Um, but otherwise uh, I'm holding on to Metcalf. So Brady unretires, Rogers returns to Green Bay, Russell Wilson traded to Denver. That's the that's the startup. There's there's so many other things we could talk about. There's all the franchise tags that happened, all the Deshaun Watson rumors. There's a few other quarterback news news and notes items that we need to get to later. But uh, I think we better break things up with our rookie report. It's time for the rookie report. Uh huh. That music really gets me into it, guys. We get to talk about a rookie every single week, and we're doing two a days now. We're gonna we're gonna get to two of these every single week, so we can cover all the top rookies before the NFL draft. Before you have to pick them. In your rookie draft, we will have talked about them here on the DLF Dynasty Podcast. This week, we got to cover Drake London. Oh, one of my favorites. We're going to have have at it with this one, Matt Price. And then uh, Kenneth Walker III as well. We're going to get into him. But let's start with Drake London. Ryan, you you were at the Combine. So you, you got to listen in as reporters ask these guys questions. And Drake London had some interesting comments, to say the least. Yeah, he really did. Um, you know, a lot of those wide receivers or a lot of those rookies came off as really polished and and coached and prepared for the combine and for those interviews. And uh, London was not one of those. Uh, he was more laid back, um, didn't have the the canned responses. And you can kind of think about that. You know, that can be viewed as a positive or a negative, I think, probably. But um, a couple of couple of his comments really caught my attention. Um, of course, he's a former two two sports star at USC played basketball and football the, uh, his first couple of years uh, and, and gave up basketball to focus on football this past season, of course, got injured anyway and, and wouldn't have been able to play. But um, he was asked about his, his time playing basketball and, and when he really decided to focus on football and give up the dream of playing in the NBA. And he said, uh, in short, he said that dream is still there. Um, so even, you know, we're, what three or four years into Kyler Murray's career. And we're still hearing baseball rumors from time to time. And, um, you know, that's just, that, that, that's not a good thing. That's not a thing you want to hear about a player. You're potentially spending a, a, a top three or four dynasty rookie pick on, or, or that an NFL team is going to spend a top, uh, top 20 NFL draft pick on, uh, that was a little concerning. And then just a few other kind of, offhand comments, nothing bad, but um, like he was asked what team he really wanted to play for, or if there was a team or a situation he'd like to be drafted in. He said he just wanted to play for the team that had the swaggiest uniforms. So again, you can kind of think about that as, as a positive or a negative, but it, it, it certainly, uh, certainly got my attention. 
I have a 10-year-old son that plays Madden, and he always wants to know which, which, which team has the best uniforms that I can take over in franchise mode. So I, I guess that's... Uh, that's the, that's the idea there with London. I, you know, Matt, you and I like to focus on what we've seen on the field in college. Of course, you and I differ a little bit when it comes to London, because I think he's locked in as a top two wide receiver in this class. And if, if not for the ankle injury, I think I might be the guy who's, who's saying, I think Drake London should be the number one wide receiver in the class. Now he didn't, he didn't, he didn't compete at the combine. He didn't run the 40. He didn't do any of that, of that stuff. In fact, he's not even going to compete or show us, show himself at USC's pro day. Instead, he's got to schedule a later one by himself in LA to run and hopefully jump and do everything. Cause he's still, he's still coming off that ankle injury off that surgery. So, you know, when it comes to what you saw on the field, Matt, what, what gives you pause when it comes to, to Drake London? Well, I do have some positives, but since you directed it that way, I'll start with with what my concerns are. And yeah. concerns are is that it's just, and I want to preface this by saying that I did, I could not find any all twenty two film on London, so I don't have the whole picture. However, what I did see, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, is that he has like incredible vertical separation, but it's so difficult to see him creating his own separation either off of right off of the line or at the stem of the routes. Um, and you see very inconsistent hand catching. I saw uh, the ball comes into his body, you know, more than I would like to see. And that's going to get you in trouble. And then if that's where the defenders can get those arms in there, punch it out. You see double catches where he kind of grabs the ball first, but then it's like a stutter and he grabs it again. Another opportunity to be punched out. And then uh, one one that was really bothersome to me was that it seems like the, the cornerbacks are always with him. The defensive backs are always with him. Even in zone coverage, when you see him go out there, it's almost like he runs towards the defender instead of sitting down in a soft spot in the zone. Like he, like he's begging the defender to challenge him on a 50, 50 ball. So my, my main concern there is that he's going to need to land in a spot with a quarterback that's willing to throw before he looks open or into small windows and give him an opportunities for those 50-50 balls. If he lands with a technician or a timing-based quarterback, then I think he's going to have some problems. So I definitely see the upside, uh, and I'll, I'll send it back to you before I talk about my positives. But for me, the floor with him is just – it's like lava. Like there – and maybe this is from being burned in the past, but guys like – uh, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, guys like uh, Laquan Treadwell, these big-bodied receivers who had trouble getting separation on their own based on their own route uh, route trees and things like that. Those are the biggest concerns for me. I will say to com- to combat that, I found some numbers, I think, from – I think it was from Ray GQ. I apologize if that's not the right uh, right person. But we saw that the contested catch percentage for for – for Drake London was 20% lower than Nikhil Harry and 10% less than J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. So when he is using the slot, he gets the ball in that quick slant. There's not contestant there. Um, So I guess I might be a little bit off on that. But to me, it just feels like another one of these receivers who we love uh, from a physical standpond, but are unable to gain gain and create separation on their own, except for in those contested catch situations. Well, I think it's really interesting that you kind of focused on, on the defense there and uh, because looking at some numbers from PFF, he had 19 contested catches last season. Uh, that that was first among all uh, wide receivers. He had uh, 24 forced missed tackles. That was sixth among all uh, wide receivers. So, um, 
you know, maybe that goes to your, uh, your idea that he's almost inviting the defense to make a play. Uh, but even when they do, he's, he's shown to have some success. So I, I don't know. I just don't, see, I mean, Treadwell and, and, um, you know, Harry, like I got burned by those guys as much as anybody I was in on those players, but I don't, I don't look at London as the same type of guy, you know, I mean, he's, I think he's, he's big enough that a small defender, he's just going to throw off him and he, but he's still fast enough that if they put that big physical guy on him, he can run by him. He reminds me, it's going to sound so weird. He reminds me so much of Jimmy Graham. And I know that's cross position and, you know, because he's athletic for a big guy and maybe, maybe because he's not Kelvin Johnson, we don't give him credit for that, but he is, he is smooth and he is long and he is lengthy and he, he's such a mismatch in the, uh, in the red zone. He's a high point specialist. He knows how to block out like Jimmy Graham does. And all those things contribute to 166 catches for 2,153 yards and 15 touchdowns in 22 career games in college. Those numbers are, are pretty off the charts for playing at the level that he, he was, he's got all the size six, four, 219, and we'll see how he how he checks in uh, at his pro day. I, I guess they did measure him at the combine, but um, he's just a mismatch all over the field. And although he doesn't create all the separation that you you meant you talked about there, Matt, he is very subtle. He he's one of the best in the league, and I know it's it's technically a foul or technically interference. He's he's the best college receiver in a long time with that subtle little push off to create just enough space to make the catch. He's so great after the catch because he's so big and hard to tackle. I think, he, you know, he's great at the sideline in the back of the end zone. He taps his toes. He bends route on the vertical route on that long stem. He bends routes to the inside to give just enough space for the throw on the outside and catch it over the shoulder. Your, your question marks are valid for sure, especially the double catch one. So many of his catches he touched twice which is a problem for sure, especially against better corners. But if that's the biggest thing we're going to nitpick about, I want the guy who can go over the top, make the play at all three levels, and is a threat to score from anywhere. And that's what I think Drake London does. Last point, last positive, 20 years old. He's only 20. This guy's a basketball. He's an NBA caliber type basketball player. was on that type of trajectory. He was going to play at USC but gave it up for football. And I know he didn't play a lot, but but that was because he was giving it up for football. So, you know, a, a great basketball player catching the ball. We've heard this story so many times. But he's not a tight end. Love. He's not a tight end. He's not a tight end. end but why can't basketball. that translate? You Do you remember Jimmy Graham early in his career? He wasn't a tight end either. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do have some positives too. I mean, the the the, the what he was able to do in eight games, the the twenty twenty one Pac twelve Player of the Year, first in receptions and receiving yards in the Pac twelve. I mean, and all of that in just eight games. Obviously, I think he has the strongest hands in the class. So I I, I think he has a super high ceiling. I just I don't know. There's something. There's a and it's not analytical. It's not anything. It's just a gut feeling that his his floor is very scary. So if you're drafting purely based on upside, I totally understand if he's your wide receiver one. For me, I have him currently, and I kind of go back and forth at three or four. So it's not like I'm super low on him. He's certainly a first round pick in in any any format in in, in a in a dynasty draft. 
Um, but uh, I don't know. The floor just is is real scary with me. The, the separation. He's just not my kind of receiver. I like the, the technical route runners, the guys that can get open on their own, and he's not that guy. Uh, so he's like swinging for a home run, but but maybe you get struck out instead. I I think if he's healthy, I will likely move him up to the wide receiver one. I think he's a wide receiver one in the NFL. I think there's a good chance he's the first wide receiver taken in the NFL draft, maybe in the top 12 or 15 picks, which is, you know, a little higher what? than some some have said. Go ahead. What 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 if he lands? Now this is not a good example because I, I doubt he's landing with the Cowboys. But what if he lands with a timing based quarterback like Dak, who wants to see his receivers pretty much wide open before they throw him the ball? Like that that seems like a serious concern for me. So landing spot I think is going to determine a lot for this guy. Yeah, it could. That's a fair fair point. We do have to move on to Kenneth Walker the third. Uh, Ryan, you didn't get a lot of time there. Anything to add when it when it comes to my guy Drake London? Uh, no, not really. I mean, you, you look at uh, the combine really swung the value of a lot of these players, including Walker, who we'll talk about in just a moment. Uh, you look at London and he's, he's holding steady. He was 1.5 in our dynasty rookie ADP pre combine still 1.5, even though he, he didn't work out because of that injury post combine. So it's looking like, uh, barring a, a, a big fall in the NFL draft, which I don't think anybody foresees you're going to have to use the top five pick to get this guy. I'm going to be doing it because I have him at two in my rankings and that's in super flex as well. Ooh. How about Kenneth Walker? The <laughs> third guys. I, yeah, check out my <laughs> rankings. They're on, they're at DLF and uh, I got two wide receivers at the top. Um, Kenneth Walker, the third Michigan state, of course he transferred in, had the big season in, uh, in 2021, Matt, he is, if there was any player out of the combine that gained more, I don't know who he is because he, he caught all our eyes. Of course, the four, three, eight, 40, he was, he was one of the more athletic running back tailbacks on the field during field drills and just looked like he had a burst that didn't exist quite as much as some of the other participants there. Yeah. And I, I didn't think I was going to like him at all, uh, just based mm -hmm. on what we saw with his receiving numbers. And we can certainly talk about that. But what you said at the combine to showing that he has that sub four, four speed is, is extremely impressive. Uh, his contact balance is maybe the best in the class. He was uh, 4.46 yards per attempt after, after contact. So just a big physical runner that bounces off players. And he's a, he's a big play threat too. 46 runs of 10 or 10 or more yards, 30 of more than 15 yards. Uh, you can see him really setting up defenders uh, while following the blocks. One of the most impressive plays was I saw it was against Michigan uh, yep. where it looked like he was gonna, you know, he does have this thing where he likes to bounce everything outside, which is not my favorite thing with running backs, but he's but, good at it. Matt. But you he, saw he sets him... him up inside with that power running game all game long. He thumps on him all game and gets those linebackers coming downhill. And then all of a sudden he's out the back gate on the outside. And I, so I don't see it as a negative like some who evaluate him. Well, and you saw it in, against Michigan. He, he ran, he basically ran right around Aiden Hutchinson, who's going to be a top two, what, top two pick in the, in the draft, right? So he can definitely do it. I just hesitate to see if he can do it. Uh, at the NFL, but that four three nine speed, maybe you can. Just real quick before I throw it back to you for the reception thing, he doesn't he doesn't catch balls, but maybe that's a Michigan State thing. That's what everyone says. Um, I was looking for them, uh, and there was a game against Miami where he had three receptions, one of them for for, for a touchdown, and he did catch it with his hands. And he secured it before 
uh, turning upfield for the touchdown. Um, but you also have seen on some of his other catches, it comes into his body on a dump off. So he's going to be, he's going to be like a running back that can catch passes. He's not going to be somebody they use it. He's going to be a dump off option in the NFL. And one of my favorite things was in an interview, uh, they asked, they asked, asked him about that. And he said that he, he just wasn't used that way, but he can catch and run routes just fine. So maybe that's not nothing to be concerned about. It's just that we haven't really seen it at the collegiate level. Um, so, so yeah, I, I like him fine. He's solidified as the running back three in the class. I understand if you want to move him higher than that based on his athletic performance um so yeah i i came away way more excited about kenneth walker than i thought i would be so you the still have about spiller. the past ca- oh go ahead sorry matt you still have spiller above him yeah i still have hall and spiller above him okay. if you want me to add more I, i'm than making that. the change and i know my my rankings yeah, don't too. reflect that just yet i'm making the change uh, he, he was, I think at 11 in my rankings before the combine and before I fell down a, down a rabbit hole, uh, yesterday while, while doing some prep for the show. And I ended up watching four full games, every snap of Kenneth Walker, the third and kind of fell in love once again. And, and I watched him plenty in season. I, I, I watch a lot of big 10 football and I, I don't know why, but I, I kept thinking, yeah, he's good. Just like Beanie Wells was good in college. And well, I think I've said that on the show before. And this he's not that kind of player. I think what happens a lot of times is with these backs that don't get uh, a, a heavy workload in the passing game, whether it's just in college or, or even in the NFL, for, a lot of, for whatever reason, we assume that they're, they're not – athletic right that they're just that that Ron Dane just pound the ball type and and that's certainly I mean if you if you kind of had that misconception with Walker the combine hopefully changed your mind on that because I mean the 40 that you mentioned 438 that's 98th percentile uh, speed score of uh, over 114 is 96th percentile and honestly the the pass catching role is the only question you could have about him uh, Matt talked about the 30 carries of 15 or more yards that ranked first among all running backs. This a couple of these numbers blew my mind over 1100 yards after contact. That was also first mm. among all running backs. Uh, those numbers, both from PFF. So um, I, I'm with you guys moving way up. He's moving up in our dynasty ADP, our rookie ADP as well. He was 107 pre combine. Now he's up to the 103. Uh, I think you might have to use a top two pick to get him. The combine, you know, pointed out how athletic he is yep. and how how explosive he is. But if you take that back to the – if you go in with just that combine information and having watched it, watch him on the field next to all these other top-tier running backs, he looked like he there were only a couple run NFL-caliber running backs in the group, and that's because he and Hall looked explosive, right? The other guys were, were a step behind. And then you take that and watch him on film – and you see it it's not just about the quickness and the burst and the you know the excellent long speed like that run that you mentioned against Michigan like the 94 yard run against Rutgers that he was clearly the fastest guy on the field on that play he is an angry runner between the tackles he punishes guys guys get sick of trying to tackle Kenneth Walker the 30 runs through tackle tackles multiple Marshawn Lynch type powerful runs where guys just bounce off of him. He stays on his feet with that contact balance and makes a big play out of it. So I am, I'm shocked that I am this excited about him, Matt. I think he definitely belongs in the conversation for right among the top players 
in rookie drafts this year. I just want to demonstrate one, one thing real quick from a strictly from a fantasy dynasty perspective. So in 2021, the re- reception floor for a top 12 running back was 37, and that was Connor. He was running back five, but he had 15 rushing touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor was running back one uh, with 40 receptions, and he had 18 touchdowns. In 2020, we had Henry running back three, but we know the story there. He had over 2,000 yards and 17 touchdowns. JT again had uh, uh, had 33 catches. Jacobs had um, a bunch of catches. Chubb uh, was running back 11 that season. Um, but he had 12 touchdowns. In 2019, the same thing. Henry with big touchdown totals. Chubb again with gigantic touchdown totals. You know, Ingram got in there with 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 very few catches, but with 10 touchdowns. So I just as excited as I am about him from strictly a fantasy perspective, it's going to be really hard for him to be a top five running back unless he gets those catches up to the 30, 35, 40 uh, range. And it's so hard to like prognosticate that that's going to happen, you know? So as yeah, it's difficult, as I am. It, it's difficult to, to predict it, of course, but if you watch closely and you said you watched that Miami game, yeah. he's interested in being a pass catcher. There are times where he runs that flare right with his hands in the air and is disappointed that he didn't come to him because he's already coming down, down, downhill and has a corner lined up, you know, and it, he wants to punish somebody out there. I think there's interest there. Now, there are negatives to his game, though, outside of the pass catching, because that is a question. He he likes to jump cut, and he gets a little bit too stop and stop and go sometimes uh, when there's an opportunity to just use that burst. You know, I know that we care as fantasy players about, you know, the pass catching. You know, there's questions maybe about his pass protection. Maybe that affects him getting on the field as well. Before we move on, and we do have to here in a minute, is there a landing spot? it seems like it's a lock that he's a second round pick and and maybe even a high second round pick in the draft. Is there somewhere where we want him to land there, Matt? Well, I would have said Miami, but we have a, we have a scientist, not that that probably matters. If he did land in Miami now, we have a whole mess of a backfield. Um, so okay, Atlanta, that's fine. I think, I think Atlanta, <laughs> I think Atlanta would be, we good. Michigan state did run the zone blocking scheme 67% of the time. And the Falcons were one of the highest uh, at that, at running ZBS in, 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 uh, in 2021. So I think that would be a really, and good not fit. just, not just zone, but that outside zone, that, right. that, that stretch zone, that, Arthur Smith made so famous with Derrick Henry in Tennessee. That's the kind of running game and play action that they can play off. I think that's the great landing spot. And Seattle, uh, Miami is you, Seattle for me. I, dude, I listed three: Atlanta. Atlanta, Seattle, and Miami. And I don't <laughs> care that Chase Edmonds signed in Miami. If uh, if Kenneth Walker ends up with the Dolphins, he's going to run away with that job. Well, and I mean that would be, we would expect him to have a similar role to Connor. So that. You know, there's nothing saying that those two couldn't um, coexist in in the Miami backfield, and you know, whoever it is in that Miami uh, in in that Miami backfield, we want them with that new head coach. You, you look at the teams that have pretty pretty much wide open jobs: Atlanta, Houston, Seattle, and Tampa Bay. We'll see if if Tampa Bay retains Fournette. Um, so th- those are the ones that I think you look at first. I do, I do have one quick last note. We talk about the pass catching and comps, and I, I don't know if this is like the predominant comp out there, but I've seen a lot of people call him basically Nick Chubb. To me, that is – Nick Chubb is widely considered the best runner in the NFL, and his best fantasy finish has been running back eight. He's only been in the top ten one time in his career. So even if he's as good as Nick Chubb and he doesn't catch the passes for fantasy, I just – 
I don't know. Well, I do know, and I, I'm, <laughs> I, I got to stop watching him because pretty soon he's going to be way too high in my rankings. Uh, I love him more every time I put on the film. Before we move on, guys, we should talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight, a daily fantasy sports site built for the rest of us. Instead of competing against professional players, Monkey Knife Fight is is made for the average fan to have a chance at winning. Monkey Knife Fight offers the ability to play a wide variety of fantasy contests, including their popular more or less games, allowing you to simply pick if a player is going to score more or less than his given line. In addition to the usual games for football, baseball, basketball, and hockey, you can also play contests in golf, soccer, NASCAR, UFC, esports, and so much more. Not only can you play these fun, unique games, but if you sign up at DynastyLeagueFootball.com, you'll get a full year of DLF Premium for free. Simply log on to our site, click the banner image for Monkey Knife Fight, and create a new account with an initial deposit. Monkey Knife Fight We'll then match that deposit up to $100, and your DLF sub will be set up automatically within 36 hours. It works for current subscribers as well. So what are you waiting for? Go sign up for Monkey Knife Fight today. Dynasty Rankings. Yeah, it's, uh, we, we wanted to talk about all this free agent news that came pouring in on Monday. So we're going to we're going to frame it in uh, in the rankings realm of things, I guess. Uh, try to try to give an idea of how these players are moving up and down dynasty rankings, where they fit in now uh, in startup ADP or rankings. Um, so let's just get right into it, guys. We'll start at the quarterback position. Um I kind of want to start with Carson Wentz, guys. The, you know, so many dynasty managers kind of kind of soured on Carson Wentz for good reason over the last couple of seasons, his final year in Philadelphia, and then in, in Indianapolis, his only year in Indianapolis, Ryan, where he certainly faded down the stretch of the season, cost the team a shot at the playoffs when they were a lock. Well, they move on from him. I think an admission that they made a big mistake giving up those draft picks for him. Now he finds himself in Washington where they didn't pay quite as high a price. Seems like to me, Ryan, this might be a short leash situation because they didn't pay that high price. And we're going to, he's going to have to have to really play well in his first season with the commanders to, to really not only keep his job in Washington, but help out the, the other commanders that we're going to be, we're going to be really in on. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're we're close to seeing Wentz kind of go into that that Teddy Bridgewater realm. Uh, of course, yeah, Bridgewater that, that's painful, right? So Bridgewater signed today to be the 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 backup in Miami. He's gone that route before. He signed with the Jets to be the backup a few years ago and was able to regain a starting job in Carolina and in Denver. Um, but it seems like once those quarterbacks accept the backup role. Uh, it, it's tough to recover from that. And, you know, we, we might be one year away from that for Carson Wentz. With, with Wentz, Matt, the, you know, there are, there are players, skill players that we really care about. Terry McLaurin more than anybody probably. Uh, can Wentz fit in well enough to, to bring out the best in McLaurin? Yeah, I, I, I guess he can. I, 
I, I honestly, I know I am on an island this. I know that uh, Heineke is bad, but is Wentz really a gigantic upgrade to Heineke? I, I just don't know if he is. I think from a metric standpoint, he is. Uh, C.D. Carter put out an article about uh, his completion percentage over expected and all these other advanced metrics in the show that Carson Wentz is a huge upgrade to Tyler Heineke. So maybe he is. But from what he does on the field, the way uh, he kind of – he, he kind of like he's kind of a gunslinger but the bad version of the gunslinger right where he's just going to throw it up like jay cutler did and maybe that's good for mclaurin uh so i think it's an upgrade for mclaurin uh just because you know he has that he's has somebody that's going to take more chances with him right but from a, a complete perspective i don't know that it's a giant i don't think it's going to result in more wins necessarily than they had with with taylor heineke stronger arm a guy that can make the throw that that 15 yard out route throw, um, on the sideline. Um, but there's a reason that two franchises have moved on from him quickly. And, you know, my fear now, and I think Ryan, you kind of alluded to it there is that if he can wear out his welcome like that coming off an MVP caliber season, a couple of years later, he's traded walking into Indianapolis and, and everybody raving about him for the first half of the season. And then quickly things kind of soured there with the Colts. That's a red flag. I've been one of the biggest Wentz supporters around over the years, and and it it just makes me question if the Colts are willing to give up that much for him, and we're that close to the playoff run, and we all watched um, hard knocks in season, hard knocks with Wentz, all the glowing reports about Wentz. It just feels to me that that there's bigger problems under the surface when it comes to Wentz, and, and that's very concerning. Yeah, well, it says, I mean, the Colts move says a lot, right? I mean, the Eagles traded yeah. him. They they get a first-rounder or a pick that eventually became a first-rounder, but they also had a plan, right? They had Jalen Hurts there, who they had already seen perform well. For the Colts to... to Not so much. Right, for the Colts to dump Wentz with, I mean... With a know, bear you, cupboard. Right, you would you would hope they know what's going on, but now we're we've seen some free agent signings, and you know maybe they trade for Garoppolo. They got shot down on Deshaun Watson. Well, who knows? You know, he, for for them to trade him uh, without a plan B certainly says a lot, and and none of it's good for Carson Wentz. And he has this he has this this rap now on him that he's a difficult to work with quarterback, both from a coaching standpoint and 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 from a player point. He's not popular in the locker room. So does that make things worse in, in Washington? Uh, I, I'm still not interested really for Dynasty. Other quarterback I'm not either, but move. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Dan. I, I was just gonna throw in. I, I don't think it's a you know a horrible move for uh, for Terry McLaurin, kind of a similar setup to what he had in, in Indianapolis with, with really one, uh, yeah. plus wide receiver, same thing here. So I, I think McLaurin can still have some success even with, uh, with Wentz. Other moves at quarterback, Kirk Cousins gets that extension in Minnesota that that's got Vikings fans, uh, on the edge of their seat <laughs> to say the least. Also Mitchell Trubisky in Pittsburgh gets a two year deal. He's going to compete for that starting job, but I think I can speak for all dynasty managers when I say we're concerned about the pass catchers, the skill players in Pittsburgh, at least for 2022. Let's jump over to the running backs. Uh, we mentioned Chase Edmonds, Matt. He lands in Miami, two-year deal, fringe starter money. They're expecting him to be a big part of their offense, it appears. 
Yeah, I, I like Chase, Chase Edmonds in Miami. It's just he has a similar pass catching skill set as is, is correct me if I'm wrong. Is Miles Gaskin not, not going to be there anymore? I can't remember off the top of my head. But if he's it is like contract. Uh, so if he's there with him, I mean, I feel like it's going to be a committee situation again. Maybe he is the lead back, but he's going to see some of that pass catching work uh, to Miles Gaskin, which is the best part of his game. If we talked about before, they now they bring in a running back. That seems unlikely now, especially considering how Miami has treated the, the running back position the last several years. But, uh, you know, just in a vacuum, I, I like the fit just fine. I kind of like what Miami's been doing this offseason. And running back 33, Ryan, 98 overall in, in DLF ranks. That it seems like a like a sideways move as far as his dynasty value is concerned. I think we could see him uh gain a little bit of value here, especially over the okay. next uh over the next month or so. Uh but I, I would not be surprised if they if they did spend a pick on Kenneth Walker or or a running back like that. Uh, of course, McDaniel has the connection with guys like Raheem Mostert. I mean, a Mostert-Edmonds uh, combo would be interesting as well. I think Gaskin is probably getting cut, honestly. Are you selling Chase Edmonds for a second based on this news? Sure. Yeah. And on a lot of teams, I probably would, especially if it's a higher second. Yeah, uh, his mean. former teammate James Connor re-signed in Arizona right after the Edmonds news broke. Three years, twenty-one million. So starter money for James James Connor. Ryan he comes in at running back thirty in our ranks, eighty-eight overall. Certainly feels like the Cardinals see him as their bell cow running back for the at least the next couple of years. Yeah, I think so, and and it's just going to be interesting what they do um, alongside or 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 behind. Um, James Conner there, you know, do they bring in another Chase Edmonds type? Has Eno Benjamin earned that role, you know, in, in, in the background, we didn't get to see much of him, but does he get a, a larger shot? So we'll see what they add to Conner, but I, I, th I love the, the, the combo of these signing because there's a good chance, uh, you know, a lot of dynasty managers over the past year had both of these guys on their roster and maybe you were making tough decisions each week. But right now you have two guys who gained uh, some pretty nice value today. So you've got to figure out how to take advantage of that. Until Arizona spends a second round pick on a running right. back uh, <laughs> exactly. that month. Wide receivers. This is where the biggest news or really noteworthy move was made. Maybe eye-popping news. news. Uh, Christian Kirk, Jacksonville. Yeah. Four years, 72 million, could get up to 84 million. He is paid, Ryan, like a top 10 NFL wide receiver. Tell me about it. I mean, my my <laughs> thoughts are probably the same as everyone else. I don't get it. Um, I mentioned on another podcast, maybe this is just a case of uh, of Jacksonville having to overpay players to to come there simply because of the their recent struggles. Um, I mean, they've they've been active. So you you like to see that, but I mean, if Kirk maxes out this deal, and I mean, does anybody really think he will? But if Kirk maxes out this deal, now it's not top 10 wide receiver money. Now it's top three wide receiver money. Uh, well, if he maxes just... out the deal, that means Jacksonville got a great deal. That means he's playing like one of the top wide receivers in the NFL and, and, and not cut in a few years. I think the biggest move from a dynasty like standpoint might be the Brandon Scherf 
addition, yeah. a little bit of protection up front for Lawrence and, and the rest of these guys, that, that offense in general, something they needed so much. DLF rank 97, wide receiver this, 43. That's certain to go up just because of the money. This is why bad teams stay bad, this signing right here. It certainly seems that Well, I mean, way. You, you've got a group of Kirk. Uh, of you've course, got a DJ bunch of Chark, receivers. DJ Chark is a free agent. Um, so he's, we, we assume he's gone. But Kirk, Marvin Jones, Chenault, and, uh, and Zay Jones, who they just added. So, I mean, that's, that's quite the group, right? <laughs> none, none of those guys, uh, while, they're, while they're talented, none of those feel like that imposing type um, wide receiver that, that's really going to bully the defense and, and make the play. So, yeah, everything you're right, you read, Everything I read seems to point to – NFL evaluators, NFL clubs thinking Christian Kirk is a way better receiver than what fantasy players that 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 what we how we value him. Now, those guys see can see future and see potential inside of an offense and and see things, maybe misuse. And and we see production, straight up production. And there wasn't enough of it to garner such a huge contract. I remember Christian Kirk coming out four years ago, Matt. I was excited about his upside. I thought he had a high ceiling. He hasn't come close to what the, even the the biggest supporters thought he could be. I I I still I'm still fine with Christian Kirk. It's just the money and the and the spot. Like it's a team full of of slot receivers, and then you add Travis Etienne, who's probably going to play some of that role too. And then you have Marvin Jones on the outside, especially if Chark is gone, right? So. I just don't know where he fits. Is Christian Kirk all of a sudden going to be a dominant outside receiver? I think we have seen him be able to play that role, some in Arizona and certainly some in college, but obviously his best fit is in the slot. So I just don't really don't know, know where he fits in this offense. I'm slightly intrigued. You know, I hope people in dynasty leagues over-exaggerate and want to sell because they're they're so turned off by the landing spot. Because if, if you're going to be able to continue to get him at his current rank and current ADP, that feels like an investment I'm willing to make. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. It feels to me like he's, he's going to take a little bit of a bump up because of the being presumed the number one in Jacksonville moving forward. Uh, Michael Gallup re-signed in Dallas despite the injury, Ryan. Five years, $62.5 million. There, there's a waiting period before he can get back on the field. But clearly, Jerry and company, they're in love with Michael Gallup. Wide receiver 44 in our ranks. Amari Cooper is gone. Do you see him moving up? It's a tough one because of that injury. And, and there's kind of some conflicting reports when he will actually uh, or, or likely be back on the field. But it sounds like it's going to be um, you know, a, a pup appearance for Michael Gallup and um, mid-season range before we see him. So because of that, I don't think he sees a major bump, uh, even though Cooper is gone, Cedric Wilson is gone. That leads me to think that the Dallas is going to add a wide receiver probably in the draft. And depending on who that is or, or how early of a pick they use, we could be talking about Gallup losing value because of the injury. And and now more competition, uh, who who's you know potentially more talented than than a guy like Cedric Wilson. And that's the thing about it is Gallup is at forty four, Christian Kirk at forty three, and these guys you want to say wow that like maybe that can help it, but when you when you go look at those rankings, you see guys directly above them like Rondale Moore, Odell Beckham, Juju Smith Schuster, Hunter Renfro, Calvin Ridley, Michael Thomas, and Tyler Lockett. 
well, yeah, maybe they can jump a couple of these guys. But then when you factor in this rookie class who who is going to take surges, is going to jump into this class and suddenly be in that top 25, there's just not a lot of room for these guys to move up drastically. Yeah, the, the rookies, I mean, the rookies are not yet in our rankings. They are in ADP. And, and we know this is a strong, another strong wide receiver class. So yeah, we can talk about these guys and in a vacuum, you Kirk at wide receiver 43 feels too low, but when you add eight, six, seven, eight rookie wide receivers above him, maybe that's too many, but uh, certainly three or four, he's going to end up in the same range as he is right now, or maybe even lower. Amari Cooper ends up getting traded to Dallas after, or from Dallas, excuse me, to Cleveland. Matt, I'm terrified here. <laughs> I, I, I'm not really like, I, I keep seeing oh, that nice. sentiment and I, I understand Baker's obviously a gigantic down or whoever, if Baker's not there is a huge, probably a huge downgrade from, um, from Dak Prescott. But I think he goes from being, I mean, you, he was the number one in name, but we really know that CeeDee Lamb was the one the last two seasons, right? Um, so he goes from being the two to the clear one. If Jarvis Landry moves on, like there's, I mean, he's the guy. As long as he's healthy, as long as the quarterback's going to get him the ball, I think the volume he's going to stay, going to see is going to be uh, pretty dramatically increased from what he saw in Dallas, at least in, in 2021. So I feel like it's more of a lateral move from a fantasy standpoint, uh, from an NFL standpoint, I think obviously a downgrade. Is this a situation, Ryan, where production is probably going to outweigh where he is in ranks, where he is in ADP, because he's that number one guy, even in a situation that, that we don't necessarily love? Uh, that that's what I'm trying to tell myself. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm not sure if I usually want to buy those kind of guys, but here I'm turned, I got, I'm turned off, man. Well, I mean, do you like forget who it is? Do you want Cleveland's wide receiver one? And not until the, and, recently, <laughs> right. Until they make a move at, at quarterback, because I, I just don't trust Baker Mayfield um, until they make a, a change there. That's not a passing offense I want to invest in. That's why I was disappointed that uh, David and Joku got the franchise tag uh, a week ago. So uh, Cooper is already another player who was losing value. Wide receiver 29, 62 overall in our rankings. Uh, so this is not even a situation where you can say sell high, you know, before it's too late. It's already too late. It already was too late. Now you're just hoping can that he can live up to that ranking. Can, can I buy him for less than a first now? Can I buy him for a single second? I mean, we talked about a bunch of guys you can buy for a second. If I can buy him for a second and a third, I think I'm buying. I think I'm think I'm buying. It's usually going to be a late first at the low end. If you I'm have Cooper, you're probably not selling for for anything less than a couple of seconds. Let's jump over to the tight ends, guys. A couple of these guys to talk about. For Zach Ertz, three years, 31 million back in Arizona. This is like the epitome of a guy holding on to some dynasty value at the end of his career, Ryan. Yeah, but I mean, he he played well for Arizona. Yeah, uh, deserved. I mean, I, I will, I'll use him as a tight end one for the next couple of years. It really feels that way. Right. You look at Christian Kirk is obviously gone now. Who knows what happens with AJ Green? He's also a free agent. Uh, as, as much as we like Rondell Moore on this show, he's far from uh, a proven uh, player in that offense. So, I mean, Ertz is suddenly the second option 
on that team that we know is going to be, uh, or at least attempting to be a, a, a fast paced and a high scoring offense. So I love the move for him to stay in Arizona where he had some success and um, it's best case because his, his value is low. We're scared of that age. Uh, we're scared of the, uh, you know, even the, the down years, uh, year and a half or so in Philly is still kind of keeping his value down. We, we saw a big jump in, in rankings and ADP for Gronk when he came back and produced and Ertz didn't get the same treatment. So, um, you know, if Gronk does end up staying in Tampa and, and his price jumps again, Ertz is the, the pivot there. Tight end 16 in our ranks. And I see a lot of you guys ranking him 20, 21, 19. Uh, he's going to put up tight end one numbers next season. I don't know if the same can be said, Matt, for Evan Ingram. Gets the one-year deal with Jacksonville. $9 million, clearly going to be the guy at the position for him, but not a long-term uh, contract. It's just, it kind of makes you cringe a little bit. Hey, look, another guy that's going to play a lot out of the slot for Jacksonville, right? I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's there's potential that, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to be like necessarily on record as saying this, but there's potential that Evan Ingram is the most productive receiver in in Jacksonville next season. Uh, I think he's from a talent standpoint, he's probably the best of those guys, unless Lavisca Chanel decides to to capitalize on his on his physical gifts. Um, I mean, I would I trust Evan Ingram more than I trust any of those other receivers, except for potentially uh, Marvin Jones at this point. But we know him with how old he is and and if he's going to be healthy. The same with Ingram, though. Is he going to be healthy? That's always the question we have with Ingram. So hopefully the Jaguars are acquiring him because they want to use him to his full potential, which is something I don't think we ever saw in New York except for his rookie season. I need a two-word answer from you guys. We talked about a lot of players today. Is there a specific one guy that you're targeting because you think, man, that guy's value spiked this week? Is there somebody you really, really want coming off the news of Monday? It's James Conner for me, assuming I have a contending team. Yeah, James Conner's a good one. Tom Brady is a good one in Superflex. Matt, you? It's it's more because of the value decrease, not the spike, but I, I think it's Cooper. Okay. All right. A little bit, a little bit went went a different way there as Matt likes to do from time to time. Uh, That's going to do it for this episode of the DLF dynasty podcast for Matt and Ryan. I am Dan. We'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to the DLF dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.